Shalom Aleichem, Mishnah Yomi is in chapter 4 of Rosh Hashanah, Mishnah Bet. Yesterday, in the beginning of this chapter, we discussed what happens when Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos. There were limited uh, spaces that were appropriate to blow shofar because we were concerned people would carry their shofar in the public domain, which is forbidden on the Sabbath, to take their shofar somewhere to get instruction in how to properly blow it. So there was a discussion that perhaps only in Betin or perhaps only in Yavne, it was allowed after the destruction of the temple to blow the shofar on Shabbat. Now Mishnah Bet says, Ve'odzot, and also in this, Haita Yerushalayim Yetera Al Yavna. Yerushalayim was better than Yavna. Now it sounds like we're starting in the middle of the sentence and the Bart Nura says, yes, basically we are, that the Mishnah should teach you, Yerushalayim Hayatokin B'chuleir. Yerushalayim, they blew the shofar not only in the temple, not only in the Sanhedrin on the Temple Mount, but throughout the entire city on Shabbos. As long as the Bezdin was in session on Harabayis, the, the Sanhedrin was sitting there in the Lishkat uh, Gozit. Lishkat Gozit was the chamber on the Temple Mount where the Sanhedrin sat. So when they were in session, the first six hours of the day on that day, they would blow shofar anywhere in Yerushalayim. But in Yavne, it was only Davka in the room with the Bezdin that they allowed blowing the shofar on Shabbos. So Yerushalayim had this other advantage. And the Mishnah explains it was not only that advantage that the Barnura brings, but but any village that was within eyeshot or earshot of Yerushalayim and was able, the people there were able to come to Yerushalayim, so they were in the Tukum Shabbos. Token. So they could still blow the shofar because they were sort of a suburb of Yerushalayim. They were sort of secondary and included in Yerushalayim. But in Yavna, they didn't blow any throughout the city. They didn't blow in any surrounding villages within the Tachum Shabbos. It was only Davka in the Sanhedrin's chamber. Originally, when we had the temple, the lulav, now we're getting back to sukkahs. This should sound very familiar with our studies of sukkahs. It was taken for seven days. That would include even Shabbos. Medina Yom Echad, and out in the Medina, that means outside the temple, only on the first day of Sukkot did we take the four species, the Arbat Minim, which we call the Lulav for short, because that's the tallest one. Now, we recall our discussion of the Mishnahis and Sukkot, when the first day of Sukkot fell on Shabbos, they would still take the four species, the Lulav, in the temple, but not outside. Again, this is the same concern that we have by the Shofar, that someone's going to carry their Lulav or their Shofar in the public domain, do a, a, a problem, a malacha of hotzah on Shabbos uh, in order to know how to use it properly to do the mitzvah. Now the Mishnah continues, Mishachar of Beit HaMikdash, after the temple was destroyed, we should see it again soon, rebuilt, Hitkin Rabbi Yochanan ben Zokai. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai, who made the takana about blowing shofar, he also made a takana about lulav, she'e lulav shiva mikdash. That outside of the temple, meaning throughout, Klal Yisrael, wherever we are, we take our lulav seven days as a remembrance to the temple. Now, what this literally means is seven days except Shabbos. Since Shabbos falls, there is a Shabbos during Sukkot. We don't take our lulav to shul that day. But all the other days, so it could be any day of the week besides Shabbos, we do take the lulav as a zecher lemikdash. And finally, the Mishnah says a similar enactment of Yochanan made, she yom hanef kulo aser. And the day of waving, the whole day is usher. Now, we actually explain this uh, when we're talking about the carbon omer and Pesachim. When we're talking about Pesach, what they do, the night that everyone in Chutzlaretz, in Golis, is having their second Seder, over there in Yerushalayim, they are cutting barley, the fresh barley. 
that's been specially designated for this, uh, this carbon Omer, and then they take it to the temple and they grind it up very, very fine, and they bring this Omer, this bread mincha offering from the first of the barley. And since this Omer was waved in the temple as part of the procedure, it was called Yom Anif, the day of the waving. And on that day, the new crop, the new barley became permitted. The chadash, as we say, the new grain became of that year became permitted through this procedure of the carbon omer. Uh, however, after the temple, you know, that, that was usually done pretty early in the day, early in the morning. They, they got it done at least before lunch. So you could have your new, your new crops before lunch, yeah? But without the temple, we have a concern. And it's more than a concern. It's a fervent desire that the temple will be rebuilt on that very day, the day after the first day of Pesach, you know, the second day of Pesach, and we will have to bring the carbon omer, and we might bring it a little late, you know, we're building a brand new temple and getting everybody tahor, inaugurating everything, preparing everything, so we gotta go out and cut some barley, bring a carbon omer too, so they might not bring it when we have the new Beis Amikdash, the Beis Shlishi, until later in the day. So that entire day, we should not eat chadash, because God willing, we're gonna get a temple that day, God willing, uh, today would be a good day too, and uh, and we'll bring a carbon omer later in the day than was normally uh, would normally happen when your temple is already standing. Yashar koach and be well.